better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi everybody and welcome to the Real Science Cast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and pick apart the science. <gasps> My name's Kenan Smith. <laughs> My name is Sean Grosson. I'm Michael Pace. Guys, what a fucking movie we watched this week. Holy shit. Oh yeah, we this this was a wild one. Especially we all watched it individually, I assume, like by ourselves. And uh oh, yeah. it was I did. kinda crazy. I did do that. Yeah, it was kinda crazy. Yeah. Uh, this I was don't a know. strange film. It was a very strange film. I agree uh, with that. <laughs> and I don't know what we're going to fucking talk about for this episode, but uh, all three of us, well, mostly me, are on a tight schedule here. So we're going to just fly by the seat of our butts, I think is the phrase. We're going to f- fly by the sleeves of our t-shirts. I thought, um, you said the <laughs> seed of our butts? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like, if, I, if I'm going to plant me. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dwell too much on it. Uh, okay. It's just a, it's like you're a, very good at new expressions. It's, it's a common expression that everybody says. Fly by the seat right. of yeah, our butt. That's People, definitely the adage. You grab the bowl by its seat by the butt, butt, and then right. you and then you plant it, and yeah. you reap what you sow. Pace, you're okay. really being the uh, raccoon in my trash right now, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It, you mean st- I'm stealing all your old food? Yep. Okay. That's yep. <laughs> okay. This fucking week we watched uh, Twelve Monkeys. Yes, 12 Monkeys, which I believe last time, I think on last episode, I said we were watching the army of the 12 Monkeys, but I was confusing the like <laughs> the, the part of the movie. So I have actually <laughs> seen half of this movie before on TV. So I like in college watched the second half of the movie. and was like, what? what the hell is, what is going, going on? on? I don't know what's <laughs> happening. So yes. now it makes more sense, but still not as much sense as I would like it to. <laughs> it's kind of a, a mixture between like, sci-fi thriller steampunk uh time fadoozle yeah movie <laughs> that's a perfect description a t- of this a movie time yeah yeah it's 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 really uh it's really something i don't know if you guys know anything about this movie other than like actors and shit like that but uh going into it i knew terry gilliam directed this and to be honest like all of the wild shit that happens in the movie shouldn't be too surprising knowing that fact. I mean, he made Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh. He made most of the Monty Python movies. Like, oh. I did read about the Monty Python movies. I yeah, did not. Yeah. He made the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, which was like the craziest fucking movie I've ever seen. I, I did not actually like look up the director, and my knowledge of directors is pretty limited. That's so, okay. I did not Sorry. know that going into it. It's okay, I Sean, just wanted to bring you. that up, and that's like why it was so fucking weird. I turned it on. It was like, this isn't Die Hard. What is Bruce Willis doing? <laughs> this isn't this isn't Die Hard Five. What's going on? He's in a cage. He's not in Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> hey, Bruce Willis is also very good in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, he's okay. good. In, he's on a lot of movies. But Pace, okay. can you tell everyone our disclaimers? Yes, our disclaimers is that we are three, three, very, very, uh. Vulgar science boys. Okay. Vulgar science boys. Yeah. And that's what we are. And that's mm-hmm. all you need to know for this for this show is that you're going to get some maybe complicated stuff here and there, but you're going to like it because you like us and you like hearing us talk. 
about science and movies, and we might curse at you. So it's true. We all, we do say some rude things every now and then. You might yes. uh, hear some like references. Banana peel. Sure, uh, you might hear some references <laughs> to genitalia, um, butts, cock and balls. Yes, every now and then. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Sure, <laughs> butts. Yeah. Also, I'm looking through Bruce Willis's uh, discography, and I think discography, discography, my yes. favorite. He's such a good singer as well. Bruno's, Bruno's back. <laughs> he does yeah. have an album pace, but either way, I think his fa- my favorite movie that he's been in is probably. I think it's a toss up between Over the Hedge. Um, and, <laughs> he's in Over oh the Hedge. He's in Over the Over Hedge. hedge. Yeah. Hey, that was a great animated film. And I, I saw that in theaters. <laughs> Oh, good. I'm glad you used your money on that, Sean. <laughs> it was probably and my maybe parents' money. Expendables 2. Your favorite wow. Bruce Willis movie? <laughs> okay. Listen, Not have, even the first Expendables. I have a lot of emotional sequel. attachment to Expendables 2. If you guys ever want to play a really, really, really fun game, uh, get some beers or maybe just some whiskey uh, and wow. sit down with some friends in front of Expendables 2. And every time someone says a one liner, take a shot. Are you saying the movie is full are of one liners? Are you asking me to take a suicide pact with you, Kenan? Or. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sign this contract in blood, please. (laughs) Okay, since Kenan described the plot last time, you and I are going to roll our D20s to see... I'm ready. ...who does the plot of this very, very, very simple, simple movie, easy plot to do. Yes. I really hope you do it. It should not take too long to describe. That's a nat 20. (laughs) Damn, Shit! Wait, I got a two. Oh, you had wow. a two that That's happened last time. Literally, what fucking happened last <laughs> oh time? Oh my god! Ugh. Sean, can you mail me that die? I need it. <sighs> it's a spin down. Oh, that's why you're fucking cheating. I'm rolling okay. it. I mean, like you know, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. gonna go through this very quickly. It's this just is a painful movie to explain. Half of the die is better than the other half of the die. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But the probability have... of landing on a single one is the same. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm gonna go through this no. movie. Real quick, please right. correct me because I'm going to get things wrong. No, I'm just going to let you get them wrong because we don't have time. Go ahead. All right. So this movie is basically about uh, this guy, Bruce Willis. James <laughs> Cole is his character name. This guy. Um, mm-hmm. And he was basically uh, sent back in time from the future. In this case, the future is 1997. Is when the movie came out in 95 or something, right? That sounds close. Um, so we the premise is that there were 5 million people that died from a virus in 1990, beginning in 1996 and going into 1997. And because of this, humans live underground and they're no longer the dominant species on planet Earth, right? Uh, we're living like rats in the sewers. Mm-hmm. and Like raccoons and trashes. That's right. That's right. Eating up all your food. And because of this, uh, there are this like team of scientists. They're kind of like a governing body council sort of thing, it seems like. Um, and they basically send Bruce Willis back in time to fix the problem of everyone being killed by this virus. To gather information. To gather information and act preventatively to prevent this post-apocalyptic scenario. Well, the idea, sorry, I do want to one slight correction. The idea is not that he's going to be able to prevent it from happening. The idea is that... They currently still live underground because the virus is still, like, in the air above ground on Earth. So they're trying to yes. find out about the pure form of the virus so that they can de- uh, develop a cure for the human beings that live under Earth and they can return right. to the Earth. They're and not trying so to can, stop it from happening. 
we're going to put a little bit of science in here. Uh, when they say pure form of the virus, uh, which is fucking ridiculous, and yeah, they say it a lot in the movie, yeah. uh, they mean the original strain of the virus. The uh, non-mutated strain. Right. So uh, a lot of viruses, things like, best example is influenza, will go through rounds of mutation when they uh, replicate uh, and produce what are known as quasi-species. And these can act differently than the other viruses that were originally there. And it's one of the reasons that influenza is hard to treat because you have to be yes. predictive on what things are going to form. A little bit of science. <laughs> uh, and that, that's a good point make to make in the film. Um, so the rest of the film is, um, is basically Bruce Willis's ventures through time. Um, he initially gets sent back to 1990 and, uh, because of his prediction and how he says he knows that the world is going to end because of this reason, uh, he gets perceived as a as a crazy person, as a, a mental patient. Um, and because of that, he's he's brought to a psychiatric hospital, and this is where he meets Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt is a very very loony dude. In this part of the movie, we kind of have this dis- dis- discussion and topic of you know. Do people that go into psychiatric illnesses, are they crazy? Or does being in the psychiatric uh, hospital make them crazy? There's kind of that idea going on. But um, what basically happens here is uh, Bruce Willis goes back, try to find out more about the virus. Uh, he learns that this guy, Brad Pitt, his dad's a virologist. And that's basically it. Um, and so Brad Pitt helps him escape. And then uh, after this, uh, he gets basically brought back into the future, 1997. And was unsuccessful in his journey because he got perceived as a mental patient and didn't really find out any new information, right? Um, so then he gets sent back to 1996 where he encounters one of the psychiatrists who was treating him whenever he was sent back to 1990. Uh, she becomes kind of this weird, like, not love interest, but just kind of like sisterly character throughout the film oh, a little it's- bit. It's a love interest. Yeah. It's a love interest, but it's like it, it's quirky. It doesn't start out as a love interest. Yeah, or doesn't start out as using that. Yeah. your definition. It's two. It's a brother and sister that kiss <laughs> <laughs> on the mouth. Yes, gross. Yeah. Okay. This is a lot grosser a than I thought it was. Gonna beautiful be. moment. It's basically Game of Thrones. Uh, and so he he then basically kidnaps this person because uh, he's now trying to convince her that oh now it's 1996. I'm close to the right time to prevent this from happening help me stop this virus. So basically the, the rest of the movie is about him uh, going through these ventures back and forth in time using information that he's gotten from these scientists in the future about how this supposed uh, apocalyptic event was planned by this so-called army of the 12 monkeys. And he's trying to stop uh, this group from in- initiating this. And so basically uh, throughout the film, um, he he learns that this, this guy, this guy, Brad Pitt's character, whose dad is a virologist, just that he's the leader of the army of the 12 monkeys he's trying to stop him uh but throughout this entire process he begins to doubt his own sanity because everyone's telling him he's wrong about all these things that are going to happen right and so eventually uh they realize that in 1996 in the in this time point uh where bruce willis now thinks is current time and he thinks he's actually a crazy person who's made this all up in his mind uh he then finds out that the army of the 12 monkeys just releases animals across new york city and that actually the person who uh released the virus upon the world was one of the uh, lab colleagues of the primary virologist in the film uh and that's basically the end and then he ends up killing everybody anyway so the problem doesn't get solved nope it sure doesn't and they tease the uh 
the the guy at the end uh murdering everyone like the guy who's actually in the laboratory of uh brad pitt's dad uh they tease him being an important part of the movie though you kind of like brush him off he's played by david morse and he approaches uh um uh, madeline stowe's character i can't remember her name but uh approaches her and is like hey uh do you really believe all of this that you think that like the apocalypse isn't going to happen and do you need to revise your theorems and it's just like being fucking really weird yeah he was and, like whispering at her it was really weird <laughs> yeah he was also he had very 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 not fitting for him red hair a bola tie and a pink shirt so like you know he's a murderer so what do we think of the primary scientific themes in this movie it was kind of hard to extract them at times well mm. weather there's yeah there's there's not a lot of science in this movie honestly and we i think we i guess i don't know to be more transparent for the listeners we sometimes people will give us movie suggestions for movies that we haven't seen and most of the time we try and pick movies that at least one of us has some information about so that we could yeah. be a judge of uh character of the science in the movie but Honestly, sometimes we just took a leap of faith and we're like, oh, yeah, someone suggested this. Let's watch 12 Monkeys. And then we're, we're like, like Fuck oh, it, let's try it. boy, there's not yep. that much science in this. But but yep. to be fair, Pace suggested Castaway and we did do that and we fucking milked all the science we could. We did. Out of Castaway. <laughs> we did. We can definitely do it. We can we can make science out of nothing here. But hell yeah, if people are watching this movie like, hey, wait, where's the science? It's, you, you know, we don't blame you. Yeah, we also did the same thing. I guess we could start talking about the um, the way that the people in the mental institution are per- portrayed in the film. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And they do discuss some idea. types of mental diseases like schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia, and um, yep. they allude to the Cassandra syndrome or disorder or yes. whatever it is. Complex. Cassandra complex. Pace, do you want to yeah. enlighten us? Since, since you are the resident psychologist on the show. I am the resident psychologist. Happy do you to think do you it. could enlighten us? Um, yeah, so... Mental institutions, or sometimes also called asylums, or I think the proper way to do it is a psychiatric hospital. But these these types of places have changed a lot throughout history. Uh, earlier on, you know, people with mental illnesses would most of the time actually just be taken care of in their homes. But uh, eventually, when they became they became overburdensome upon society, they would get transferred to these psychiatric hospitals or asylums, or they were called different things at certain time, certain certain time points throughout history. Um, and these kind of institutions kind of took a transition throughout time. Initially, they were the sole purpose of them was to isolate, you know, these people from the rest of society. So it really was it was very degrading. Um, the purposes of these places. And then as time went on, these places began to come become more and more about patient-centric care. And this obviously correlated with the development of actual psychiatric drugs that could remedy these patients' symptoms and a further understanding that diseases of the brain actually exist and are not due to some sort of supernatural cause. Right. Yeah. Um, this was made in nine. This was supposed to be portray, uh, portray in nineteen ninety. Um, and so the way they portray it in the film, it's a little, it's a little kind of a, a little bonkers. Yeah, it's uh, obviously very exaggerated. Like it's very over the top, like steampunk, grungy, weird asylum. But yeah. yeah, I mean, they do a 
pretty solid job of establishing like kind of like you said like a grungy almost um genetic opera style weirdness to the future like or yeah. which is bruce willis's present um i think in order to try and make a larger distinction between the divide of then and now because when he's back in the past the only things that are super weird are the things that are connected to either the end of the world or actually connected back to his future, like his present. But I thought it was an interesting way to make a distinction between the two and to make it so that later on when Bruce Willis in the movie is like, I think I'm crazy, he feels crazier because everything in his present is so wild compared to the normal uh, time that he's in in 1996 or 1990. Yeah. Yeah. Except for that the psychiatric ward was kind of crazy. Like... It was, yeah. it was, and and I, uh, unfortunately, this like sedative drugs are sometimes used, um, in that in that context, which is which is terrifying, which really reinforces the kind of the people go in there and then they kind of lose the sense of who they are because they're under they they go in there presumed to have a need for medications when you know it might not have been exactly fully investigated prior to, so it's kind of scary. True, mm-hmm. um, but. In the beginning of the movie, it says the person who made this prediction was a paranoid schizophrenic, and this person is Bruce Willis's character. Paranoid schizophrenia is the most common type of schizophrenia, um, and it's a chronic mental disorder. People usually develop it between like kind of uh, late teens to mid twenties ish, I believe, and basically has two two primary symptoms: delusions and hallucinations. Delusions are basically an idea that you have about yourself or about the world around you that evidence exists to say that it's not true. Whereas the hallucinations are the actual like verbal or are they the auditory or visual stimuli or things that, yeah, manifestations uh, that you witness that no one else can witness. And this right. is all basically thought to be caused by disruptions in neurotransmitter systems of the brain that, that basically make your brain cells fire abnormally and make them not work how they should properly. Hmm. And that's kind of why he was diagnosed this way. Cause his entire prediction of the apocalypse was just uh, de- schemed as this sort of um, grand delusion that he was having. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about in this, because um, Riley, Riley, Dr. Riley. Yes. The psychiatrist. She mentions a couple of times, especially at the beginning of the movie, this idea about a psychiatric disorder or a fascination with apocalypses uh, or apocalyptic events. And this, of course, is a theme throughout the movie because we find out that the one character is this kind of person and is going to try and end the world and does. Uh, But she calls it the Cassandra complex and then likens it to like, I think a Greek story or something like that. And I can tell you, Pace, I did not bother to look this up because I was just hoping (laughs) you would know the answer. Yes, yeah, so basically the Cassandra complex, or also just sometimes called like the Cassandra metaphor, because people mm-hmm. are just related back to her. She was um, she was a, basically a character in Greek mythology uh, who was basically given the gift of prophecy uh, hmm. by Apollo, and basically Cassandra learns about all of these uh, all these future events uh, that are going to affect the lives of her people, uh, but no one believes her. Oh, okay. I remember Dr. Rayleigh mentioning this. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's very, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but the, the broadly, the Cassandra metaphor is used by psychologists just kind of 
as a more blanketing term for dismissing someone who is experiencing any sort of like physical or emotional suffering and not believing them. Okay. So yeah. it's not like it's not it's not that it's people are diagnosed with a Cassandra complex. It's just like a part of pre existing symptoms that may be there or may not. I think it manifests as a result of other yeah, like you say, previous symptoms. Got you. I feel uh, like that's the case yeah. with a lot of old psychology. Yes. Where it's like, oh my God. this well, person People don't this. know what they're describing. They're just... They're, I would say that psychology was probably the most hand-wavy profe- uh, medical profession up until like, I don't know, like the 80s or 90s? Yeah. It's it's crazy. So Apparently yeah. up till 1990, because in this movie, maybe up till 1991, because in this movie, they didn't really <laughs> get it right. But, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. All right, Indeed. sweet. Well, well, do we want to try and talk about time tra- time travel in this movie? No, I don't want to talk about time travel. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did just do Interstellar, but it's time travel is such a major component of this movie. Pace, I think we have to talk about it. Okay, sure. But what if I will say that somebody, like, I have an idea in, in, a, in a wall with a bright a bright blue light, and then you you, <laughs> you clip these things into them. Wait, oh, uh, uh, okay. What pace? I was gonna as a gift to you. It. I was going to make Kenan talk about it so that oh, you didn't have to. Thank God. Yeah, okay. because I mean, Kenan does experiments in his house like this all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. true. Yeah, it's true. So Kenan, I have can personally you... gotten Bruce Willis naked, clipped a bunch of shit to him, and then shoved him into a blue light through a wall so that he would pass back Did you time. give him a nice rough shower first? No, I did not, but I did give him a Pepsi. <laughs> a Pepsi? Well, they're really taking that that scrubbing brush and really just going to town. Bruce Willis takes more showers in this movie than any other movie I've ever seen. That, yeah. that actually was a scientific <laughs> thing that I forgot that I forgot that happened in this movie. Is their decontamination procedure for getting him? So before they send him back in time, they show they send Bruce Willis to the surface to collect uh, samples of, like, insects up there. To, uh, mm. Presumably, they're going to isolate the virus from them and study it. Yeah. And in a suit that's, like, not too far-fetched. Like, when in, in larger, like, higher security laboratories where you're worried about uh, diseases, like, especially dangerous diseases or pathogens, you wear a suit kind of like what he was wearing with a breather and, yeah. like, full rubber complement. Looks like a like big that. hazmat suit. Yeah. Yeah. So they send him out of that, and then when he comes back down to enter the underground society, there's, like, a chemical shower that the suit goes through, and then the next scene is him just naked, covered in, like, looks like blue mud, with a mm-hmm. giant, like, chimney sweep broom, and two people are just, like, sweeping yep. Bruce Willis's <laughs> back. <Yep. laughs> it reminded me of, like, the Andromeda Strain-style decontamination stuff, where they were like, oh, we have to yeah, burn your skin crazy. off your body. It's just, like, it's funny how in these movies the decontamination is always so exaggerated. Like, I like that <laughs> I like that you called them chimney sweep brooms, because now all I can think of is fucking Di- Dick Van Dyke <laughs> in, like, a barbershop <laughs> quartet outfit. Yeah. He's like, step in time, and they all pop step in. Step in time. Like, Sweet Bruce Willis, step in time. Blah, 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 Scrub your ass. <laughs> Scrub, <laughs> Scrub your ass, step in time. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty goofy. I mean, I think it's so over the top that anybody watching it, even if they've never heard of the word science, is probably like, this is an exaggerated, right? Like, people don't yeah. really do that, so. Yeah. But well, I, I will guess. say the only thing that we could really talk about in this movie as far as time travel goes that I thought was interesting is that they seem to equate 
And apparently, I, I tried to do a little bit of reading ahead of time, even though there's nothing here. Uh, <laughs> the 12 Monkeys TV series does this too, but they equate time travel with momentum. Uh, so in this movie, they put Bruce Willis in a coffin, basically a big plastic coffin, kind of like the, I don't know, it reminded me of E.T. because there were see-through tarps everywhere, but um, they clip a bunch of electrical clips to him, which this thing, this bothered me too, because whenever we uh, want to put electrodes onto people in modern science, we literally use a small adhesive patch and then just a fucking wire like the contact is directly on the skin, but they just clipped it directly into Bruce Willis, which <laughs> we know they have adhesive in the future because they're sticking a bunch of papers all over walls. So like, why did they have to clip things to Bruce Willis's skin? I don't know. It's minutiae, but it made me angry. Yeah. It's very they're abrasive. using like little alligator clips and just like clipping everything to him. Yes. Like <laughs> that's not anyway, but they put him in this coffin and they clip him up and they get him naked and they bring him up to this big blue light and they shove him through a wall and then we see basically the same kind of thing that we saw in Interstellar, where scenes are flashing by rapidly. Um, and so the idea is, I guess, they like shoved him into a time stream, and now he's passing. So I, I, there's no science here. I just wanted to talk about the fact that it was kind of cool. So Yeah, it is also interesting that in a post-apocalyptic world where like one-sixth of the human population... Or, sorry five six of the human population have been killed they somehow yeah. while living underground also developed a way to travel through time but yes yeah you know, right. that's uh but i guess you don't really have a movie without that so i guess i'll have to give it to them i will give them credit too and again this isn't really science but it's i think it, it's smart thinking on the part of the movie and on part of the writers and i don't well i have to assume they did it on purpose because the movie is clever just in general but the idea that so they say like at some point oh well science isn't an exact science with these bozos and they say uh you know the scientists don't really know what they're doing but it's getting better over time but basically when bruce willis is in 1990 he doesn't see as many of these people right that have been sent back in time with him like the idea is is that sometimes they overshoot but when he gets closer to 1996 there's a shitload of them and i thought that they were trying to get a, get across the idea that like there should be more people closer to the event because the scientists get better and better and better at sending people back in time and they kind of allude to this at the beginning of the movie when bruce willis is like oh you know none of those people come back and jose his compatriot or his neighbor says oh well some of them do and so i think they're trying to drive home this idea that like a lot of people have got sent back in time and completely missed the mark. Like they mentioned Egypt and Bruce Willis ends up in fucking world, France and world war one at one point, but you see way more of the people from the future near 1996. So I just thought that was kind of neat. Like, right. That's pretty cool. It's trial and error. Right. Cause yeah. like that's where they're trying to send everybody. So like eventually when you get to that time period, that's where all the people are. Right. Yes. Cause and it ends with the, one of the scientists Jones, the astrophysicists, uh, getting sent back in time in 1996 and although bruce willis is like right at the scene of the crime and he tries to stop the dude and he can't and there's all these illusions in the movie about how like we can't change the future we can't do this that and the other thing but jones manages to get sent back in time and get a air, uh, a seat on the airplane right next to uh the guy who's about to take a virus around the world and end mm-hmm. the world um 
which is clever. So like they're getting more and more accurate. And they've also managed to potentially, as long as you can get a, a sample of the virus and take it back to the future, then they've managed to repair the damage in the future without actually changing time. Therefore, making the entirety of the movie where they say, oh, they can't change anything accurate. Sorry, my, cool. I, my brain is sitting on the table, but I'm just going to scoop it back up and stick it back inside my head. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I, the more This movie's fucking ridiculous, but the more I thought about it over the past 24 hours, the more I like it. It's honestly... I, I got to the end of the movie, and I was like, I don't know why I like this movie, but I really do yeah. like this movie. <laughs> no, I liked it, too. I mean, it definitely it took you pla- it took me places cinematically that I had never been before. Yeah. Um, so I, I did enjoy it. So I wanted to, just before we move on to the ratings, because it seems like we're getting to that part of the show, I wanted yep. to talk about one more actual science thing that Please. I'm sure we Can all we noticed the immediately in Please. the show. Let's talk about this virus. Okay. So... When the guy is trying to transport this virus through airport security to get it on a plane, he's just got a briefcase with a bunch of glass vials with other smaller <laughs> glass vials inside of it. Yep. And of course, this goes through the x-ray uh, detector. And the person who's operating the machine is like, what the fuck is this? I'm going to need to search your bag, <laughs> which, yep. which is good, which is good. <laughs> and the guy pulls it out and they're like, what is it? And he's like, oh, it's a biological sample. Don't worry, I have all the proper paperwork. And he's like, well, I'm going to need you to take it out so I can see it. And he pulls out the tube. Which, yeah. Which would never happen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, they wouldn't do that. They'd be like, oh, you have a biological sample? Take it out. Open it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Never mind the fact that, like, whenever you're at an airport, like, from what I remember, they don't let you touch your shit. Like, after they have it and they're looking they at it. They don't. Once they, they hand it back to you. They don't let you touch any of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, this yeah. was also pre-9-11 airport. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know how they used to do it, but now, like, yeah, once they have it, if they're going to search it, you don't get to touch it until it's back in your possession. Well, I mean, in Die Hard, Bruce Willis, like, gets on a plane with a revolver, so. Die Hard 2, <laughs> Kenan. Yeah, sorry, Die Hard 2. <laughs> don't worry, Wait. I'm a cop. Oh, okay, that's fine. There's more Sky than Marshall. one Die Hard movie? Oh, Stop my God. It. You can't do this. <laughs> Sean, go ahead. Okay, sorry. So... The virus is literally, it looks like a 15 mil falcon tube, which people probably don't know what that is, but... 15 milliliters? 15 milliliters, yeah, but it just looks like a... Uh, what's that in gallons? Can you tell me what that is in gallons, please? <laughs> That's Why like, do they have to have a southern accent, Pace? Yeah, what was that? Hot Pace? Huh? huh? Get out, d- don't at me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he pulls out like Pacist. a clear glass vial and says that oh it looks like there's nothing in there but this is definitely a sample in here and he opens it up in the airport and just kind of shows like see nothing in here waves it under the tsa agent's nose waves it under the guy's nose and the guy's like that'll be all right that's not necessary (laughs) (laughs) just like like, okay even in 1991 or whenever the fuck this movie was made like there's no way that the, the t- he would do that to the TSA agent, and the TSA agent would have been okay with it. Yeah, he would have been like, what the fuck are you doing? He was like, it's even odorless. Isn't that remarkable? And he's Isn't like, all amazing? right, you can put it back now. I don't really need to smell this. But the point no I'm trying to get at is that this deadly virus is still a virus, right? It still is a biological, right. like, organic substrate. It still degrades at certain temperatures or after certain exposures to stuff, and... It's being stored in an aerosolized gas form in, like, a non-pressurized gas tube. It's like, I don't understand exactly what's well, going on room, here. But room like, temp, right? Yeah, it's, like, so, room yeah, it's temperature. Also just it's not pressurized. Box. It's just in a box. Like, yeah. 
I don't even understand what's happening. Like, there can't even well, be that much virus in there. So, well, so like, I assume that the idea is that it should be transmitted by aerosol. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The movie didn't explicitly say his intention was to get the guy sick, but he did wave it under his nose. Um, yeah. So I assume that's the case. But aerosol transmission requires typically person to person or for the virus to be contained within any sort of water droplets to move. Right. So if it's just in an empty fucking tube, like it's not going to be dry virus because then it just will fucking fall apart. Yep. So right, that, that's I don't thing. know what the intent is there. It's like people just talk about aerosolized virus in the sense that like, oh, it's floating in the air. And you're like, yes, it's floating in the air suspended in small droplets of water. Right. Like, if you were storing a virus that could be transmitted by an aerosol, it would be in water, vapor at least, or something. Like, it would be in some sort of sealed container that wasn't just dry. Like, it would, if you had something dry, you would have dry virus on the inside of the container. Like, that's where it would be. It would just be stuck yes. to the sides of the container. So Right. And yep. I mean, this is, this is a phenomenon that is, like, primarily seen in... Uh, uh, respiratory viruses like i mean we already mentioned influenza a couple times here mm-hmm. but it's this idea that like the virus spreads through aerosolization because it's more comfortable in a liquid form so they mentioned in the movie that this virus has fever-like symptoms and that people are passing it by a coughing right mm-hmm. like this thing has to be in water in order to stay viable Right. Like, that's why when people cough, they're not just breathing on someone. They're coughing up, like, a bunch of water particles and, like, lung shit and mucus. And that's what's transmitting the virus. So. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, I don't want to beat a dead horse with that, but it was kind of just so (laughs) funny how the, like, it's just literally a clear glass tube. And he's like, oh, it's odorless. Smell, Dr. Mr. TSA agent. Just get in there. Smell. Take a big, Mm. take a big waft yummy well guys do you have anything else you want to talk about or should we move on to the ratings yummy i think we can move on to the ratings <laughs> sorry I, yeah, let's do that i think kenan's just whispering yummy in his i'm gonna do it one more time yummy wow i'm not even gonna do it because you nailed it so well kenan this is real science asmr <laughs> okay now it's time for ratings these ratings are for couples only oh my god put the kids to bed because it's time to (laughs) rate this bitch (laughs) all right pace go first uh okay um i'm going to give the science in the film a two yeah that's fair because of what science there was in the film um it's highly improbable. I, th- I, th- I think the only thing I'll give it is that maybe the way that Bruce Willis was discussing his involvement in this post-apocalyptic world might resemble the way that a paranoid schizophrenic would. They would put themselves at the center of the situation. And in this case, Bruce Willis was the person to come back in time and save the world. Right. And so would someone with paranoid schizophrenia. Uh, they would they would be at this own center of their of their 
alternate reality here. Their delusion. Yeah, their their delusion. So I mean, I guess that was that was kind of an, a good parallel. But other than that, no. I mean, I the the time travel and clamping using using like putting those clamps on him was not realistic at all as to what would have happened. Uh, and there wasn't a whole mu- a whole lot else to draw from. So I'm going to give it a two. Entertainment. I'm going to give it four. Um, mm, that feels I, right. I I was surprisingly engaged by this film. Uh, I didn't really have any expectations going in, and uh, it was so bizarre. It was it was bizarre entertaining. It, that's why it it kind of reels you in and holds you there because the next thing that happens from scene to scene is just crazier than the next, and you don't really know what's it's it's unpredictable. And a lot of movies these these days are predictable, and this is not that. Yes, that's fair. Uh, yeah, that's good. Sweet. Um, I am going to give the science for this movie a one uh, because there isn't any yeah. at all. Uh, and I guess like what science they bring up is, in addre- is addressed in a very hand wavy or just absurd way. But like it should be noted that that's not the point of this movie, right? Like the science doesn't have to be accurate for this to be a good movie because, I mean, as Pace just said, he enjoyed it. I enjoyed this movie very, very much. Um, I would give it a four out of five probably as well, but there's so many things in regards to the science, like little things like we talked about the clamps, like there's a scene in this movie where Bruce Willis has this like floating globe in front of him that has all the scientists on little screens. And one of the little screens has positioned directly over the digital image of the scientist's eye, a monocle, like it's somehow going to enhance (laughs) the vision of that scientist but it's a fucking tv screen like little stuff like that looks really cool and makes for a fun movie because there's just weird accoutrement in the room but it's stupid (laughs) yeah it's very bizarre bizarre is the best way to describe it pace i think you really hit the nail on the head yes but i also think it's clever and enjoyable to watch yeah Okay, I'm going to give this movie a castaway out of science. Um, that's my rating. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's self-explanatory, that there's just yep. really not a lot of science in it. So I could say one, I could say two, I could say five. Doesn't really matter. There's not a lot Doesn't of science. Matter. So, But the important thing is that I, I'm also going to agree with the entertainment factor. I'm going to give it a four out of five. I mean, it's either like a three and a half or a four out of five, but I actually really like the movie. I think for me, what really made it so good is that like brad pitt did a very good job playing his crazy character like i, yes, I thought brad he did pitt's a really good job it was really good yeah i agree yeah so i mean just everybody's acting i mean bruce willis too obviously like th- it was a cool concept and i think like even though it was a little hard to follow at some points like you get to the end and you it was very climactic like all the time travel didn't just dis- distract too much from like the finale of the movie so i enjoyed it a lot that's you actually raise an interesting point and uh, i'll be brief because i have to jet here in a sec but um that a lot of the movies that we watch in which the science is bad the writing is also bad even if there are good actors this is like one of the cases where we've seen a movie that just has kind of generally bad science in it where there are good actors in the movie and they do a good job and the script does them justice. Right. Yeah. Like they did a good enough job not focusing on the science in this movie that I think actually paid off a lot because they had yep. so much more leeway to do what they wanted to do. Like they just didn't explain how they could time travel. They didn't talk about the virus, like all these things that are science adjacent. They were just, it was just like, this is 
They're all just tools. Yeah, it just happens. Right, exactly. So, All right. I want to talk about some listener mail, and I'm going to do the first one. Okay. And it is from uh, patron saint of questions, friend of the podcast, Anthony Martinez. Uh, And he asks, hey, guys, this may be the most important question I have asked you. Oh, I'm ready. Hold on. Okay. It's a good question. Would you rather fight one Bruce Willis-sized monkey or 12 monkey-sized Bruce Willis's? Keep up the great podcast. <laughs> monkey-sized Bruce Willis's. Mm-hmm. We talking, we talking like new world or old world monkeys? Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say old, old world monkeys. So we're talking like like a Rafiki sort of style thing mm-hmm. here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a baboon? Fighting with the sav- savagery of 12 Bruce Willi. Uh, th- is Bruce Willi the plural of Bruce Willis? <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Yes. <laughs> I think I would have to go for the giant Bruce Willis. Yeah. Because I, a giant monkey? A sorry, Bruce Willis-sized monkey. Bruce Willis-sized monkey, you mean? Yes, that's what I meant. Sorry. A Bruce Willis-sized monkey. Okay. So these monkeys <laughs> that we're talking about here, they're probably... <laughs> They're probably about two, two or three feet tall, and they have prehensile tails. Yes. Old world monkeys. Yes. That's terrifying. Listen, what I think Sean's onto something, because the most important part of this question is that if there is a Bruce Willis-sized monkey, and it had been in Die Hard, then at the end of Die Hard, uh, in like, I think two Die Hards now this has happened... The Bruce Willis-sized monkey would have grabbed the uh, gun off of his back with his prehensile tail and <laughs> shot Hans Gruber, and that would have been the a movie. cinematic achievement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so you're right. Film. You're right. I I was thinking more that um, I'm gonna have a hard enough time taking down one Bruce Willis, regardless of size, and like yeah. twelve Bruce Willis's. Bruce will I? I mean, there's no way. Like, there's, there's no. It's Bruce. Yeah, but what if they're only like two feet tall, though? That's even more dangerous. You saw him crawl through those air ducts and die hard, right? Like, that he would be so agile going through the air ducts. Yes, true. A monkey-sized Bruce Willis could walk two abreast and upright in a air duct in Nakatomi Plaza. He would not know what a TV dinner feels like, you know? No, he wouldn't. It (laughs) would be a nice home for him. (laughs) Wow, that was such a bad joke. All right. (laughs) A will-I swarm is what you'd have (laughs) Thanks for okay, the, I think you um, made the decision for all. That's a level three, three monster in D and D. Oh yeah, sorry. Right, do you guys have? Swarm? Do you guys okay. have any differing opinions on that, or are we on the same? No, page? I think no, I agree you're with probably you. right. You're probably right. I do want to call attention to uh, Pace's very good joke that we both Thank talked you. over, which was that he said that a, a Bruce Willis swarm is a challenge rating three monster in D and D. Wow, very good, Pace. It is good. Wouldn't want to come across those in a dark alley. Pace, do you want to do the next question? Yes, I would love to do the next question. Next question comes from... Wait for it. Whoever they are, they're a friend of the podcast. God damn it. Oh, mm-hmm. Here it is. No, wait, shit. Oh, no, Sean, no. how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kenan. How are you doing? I'm all right. Oh, wait, I, uh, wait. I was trying to listen. I had some oh. tofurkey sausage earlier, and I okay, got... Okay, hold on. Pause your talking. Like sausage burps. I'm not super into it. I was trying to listen to uh, talking, the podcast recording in here before us. It was a meat cast, mm-hmm. and uh, hey, John Goodman hey, was in the up. studio, and he was about to eat like hey, 12 sausages. But yeah, sorry. What's up, Pace? <laughs> this is a question from a friend of the podcast, Tori Mackle. Hey, Tori. Hello, boys to men. Hey, How long could one survive on corn alone? 
Assuming all other crops have failed, that implies they are solely eating corn. What kind of nutritional deficiencies could one expect to encounter in people that subsist solely on corn? What is your favorite corn-based food? This is regarding Interstellar, film we watched for last episode, where all the crops are dead besides corn. Yeah, that's a pretty good question. I mean, that's sort of what I was thinking also, is that you can't just eat corn. I mean, presumably you could also eat meat, right? Because you could feed like cattle or something corn, and then also you'd get protein in your diet. So you wouldn't Mm. be just reliant on just getting everything straight from corn, right? Yeah, you could feed corn to the things, and I think it'd be all right. Yeah, I think that your your primary issue is so corn. Actually, the first thing I thought it was vitamin C. Corn actually has a lot of vitamin C. It has B vitamins, um, so it has like some of the things that you would need. But I feel like it's going to be really low in like protein and fat, and you need some of those things to live. I feel like if you were in like a room and you just had a big pile of corn and that's all you could eat, that would be a problem. But I think in the world that they're in, they could make do by getting nutrients from other things like what is you boys favorite what's what's your favorite corn-based food this is another question Mm. uh that's a very good question uh it's probably for me it's either cornbread or bourbon um (laughs) bourbon is very good bourbon it has to be at least 51 percent corn so uh i'll probably have to lean towards bourbon that, Damn, that one's good. Yeah, I feel like there's a cornucopia of items we could select from. <laughs> oh, Sean, that God. was a corny fucking joke. Oh, boy. <laughs> Get it. You're next. I'm, I'm just going to say popcorn. popcorn. Fuck. Damn it. I should have gone next because I was going to say popcorn. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, we're over here drinking popcorn and bourbon. What do you have? Oh, that sounds really good. Can I come over? <laughs> yeah. Sure. How about this? I'll bring the cornbread. That's cool. That's fine with me. Yeah. I, cornbread's really good. I love cornbread. It, if you have good cornbread, it's... You, you know what? It's tough to beat. You know what I'm going to go on? Actually, grilled corn that's just covered in butter and salt and pepper mm. is really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have if there's no butter and salt and pepper, fucking forget about it. Like, there's no way I'm eating that. But grilled corn with butter and salt and pepper, yeah, that's mine. It's true. It's my favorite. Welcome, everybody, to the, to the cooking cast. Uh, if you said cornbread, and I just remembered that my undergraduate PI, shout out to Dr. Holbert, gave me a... It's not really a recipe... But if you just take, uh, I don't remember the brand, but boxed cornbread, like cornbread mix, uh, and make cornbread with like a pound of cheddar cheese and like seven jalapenos and just bake that. I used to make that like once a month in in undergrad. That sounds sounds amazing. Very good. All right. We got one more question, but I think we should save it for next time. Yes. uh, Since we're running so late. Um, If you boys are down, I have a movie picked out. Lay it on me, Kenan. Lay it on on me. Okay. Next week, we're going to watch and discuss the science of Snowpiercer. I don't even know what that is. don't know what that is. Okay, sweet. It is readily available on, I think, Netflix or Hulu, one of the two. Uh, And Chris Evans is in it, and they eat bugs. And that's all you really need to know about the movie. (laughs) Okay. We're going to talk about bug macronutrients. I'm so excited. Hell yeah. And Chris Evans. And Chris Evans. Mm, He's a sexy boy. (laughs) Okay. Yummy. Great. <laughs> Sweet. That's all I got. And I have to go get my hair cut. All right. Uh, in that case, we have some closing statements. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Real Science Cast. You should thank check you out so our much. Patreon if you would like, uh, which is Real Science Cast on Patreon. Uh, we're going to have some new tiers coming up, so you can look out for that. 
you can find us on Twitter at RealScienceCast and email us science questions to realsciencecast at gmail.com. You can also email, uh, give us science questions on Twitter as well. Uh, we're also on Facebook, RealScienceCast. Uh, yep. Is there anything else that we have to say? Yeah, I don't want to do this, but uh, I think we have to give a shout out to Enemy of the Podcast, oh, uh, I forgot. Douglas Miller, because he is now a Patreon subscriber. Uh, he and is. has been gunning for us to watch Wild Wild West. Uh, and our first Patreon tier, uh, if you pledge $2 or more a month, you can send us an email with three movies and, that you want us to watch, and we will pick one of them and try and cover the science. Uh, Doug did not bother sending us an email, so I guess we don't have to watch Wild Wild West. Yeah, ever. I guess not. Uh, Doug's just not really on top of his email, so... I will say, um, Justin Waterfield, another patron of ours, uh, did email us asking us to watch Wild Wild West, but he only put one movie in his email. So, yep, Justin, so I'm going to need a couple more movie suggestions from you to let, give us a smorgasbord to choose from. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't count. You got to read the fine print. Got to read the fine print. <laughs> got to read the fine print. <laughs> Can't just send us an email with one movie. That's that's ludicrous. We have rules here, Justin. This isn't we the do. Wild Wild West of podcasts. It separates <laughs> us from the animals. <laughs> yeah. But thank you to everybody who's been listening to the show. I mean, like we said last episode, we've been doing this for a year now, and we really appreciate everybody who it listens. It means a lot to us. Um, especially, special thanks to the patrons. It really helps to, you know, help out with costs of the show, like renting movies, paying for equipment, uh, hosting our podcast feed, all that stuff. So thank you all so much. And I think that's everything. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think that's it. All right, boys. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm a Michael Pace. Yes, you are. And remember, guys, you don't need good. You don't need good science. Good corn. You don't need good corn to make to, good bourbon, but it sure it sure makes it taste better. It sure makes the bourbon taste better. Oh. It goes down smooth. Okay, that's fine. I'll let you guys have that one. All right, because I, I love right. bourbon. Get drunk, do science. Sean looks so angry. You don't need good science to make a good movie. Stay classy. Hi everyone and welcome back to Meatcast. This is Frank N. Furter coming at you live from the Meat Studio. Joining me is Tim Stakeums. <laughs> Fuck. And to my left is And Reggie Hot Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Tim and Reggie, it's You can also call me Big Dog. Or the or the Reg Dog. Or Dr. Dog. Doctor Doctor the dog. Woof, woof. Right. Wait, Kenan, put your dog sound effects in here. <laughs> bark, 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 bark. Wee, 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 wee. Bork, 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 bork. We need like bacon sizzling sounds and stuff. It'd be perfect. All right, sorry. Today, d- we've got John Goodman in the studio, and he's going to be eating 14 plates of sausages. Hey, everybody, this is John Goodman, and I'm ready to eat some fucking sausages. <laughs> Hell yeah, John, we're going to get right to it. But first, this is Judas Priest with. Meat. <laughs> Off their new their new hit single, Meat. Yeah! <laughs> meat! <laughs> Fucking stupid. Stupid podcast.